Nation. You're now listening to the most opinionated, the most exciting, the most son of a Schmidt. You guys actually do something useful here, right? Like, is anything you do even beneficial to someone? Whatever. Now to the show that literally has tens, that's right, tens of followers. The show that brings the Ozone Radio Network to levels of mediocrity that only Michigan fans would know. This is the Sons of Schmidt, starring Mike Meals and Brandon Zimmerman on the Ozone Radio Network. What is up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome back to the Sons of Schmidt podcast. This is season three, episode 19 of the show. This is your host, Mike Meals. Um, I know it has been, by time the Buckeyes take the field this weekend, it'll have been 31 days since the last time we saw uh, the men of the Scarlet and Gray in action. But finally, after the long layoff and the holiday season, game time has returned. It is time for the Buckeyes to play one more game and send Urban Meyer out with a win. They play Washington on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned it before, Ohio State comes into the game uh, ranked number six, 12-1 overall, 9-1 Big Ten champions. They take on Washington, who will enter the game number nine. They are 10-3, and 7-2 in the Pac-12, but they are also Pac-12 champions. Uh, I know after last week we had Joe Dexter on the show, and once again, Joe, we appreciate you being here, but things are slightly back to normal now that the games are back. Uh, Joining me from his vacation in his wonderful elf costume is my good buddy and co-host, Brandon Zimmerman. What is going on, Brandon? How are you doing on this Christmas week? It's good. I mean, I'm not exactly excited to be back from Hawaii. but, you know, Colorado's cool and stuff. Supposed to be getting a big snowstorm coming through tonight. I also don't know why you're making a big deal about my outfit. I wear this daily. So, um, But you are far enough up, you might as well be an elf. So We are. And I'm, I, I, I'm actually a Santa in uh, training. Yeah, it's so all the gray in well. the beard. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm growing out, the gray beard and stuff. So, All right, man. It's looking good. So um remind me i'll have to post a picture on the uh, twitter account so people can see your wonderful get up that you have going but yeah sure i'm gonna remind you Mm. (laughs) uh first things first man we start every week we've got to know what is it that you got that you're drinking this evening as we prepare for the uw huskies i brought some uh hawaiian whiskey back with me so it's called paniolo and uh it's not bad i mean it's not the greatest stuff, but it's not bad. Is it like a bourbon flavor or more of a straight whiskey? Or? It's a blended whiskey is okay. what they call it. So it's not bad. Um, yeah. Paniolo is what they called the Spanish Cowboys when they came in. I learned all about this on this kayaking tour we had. And like the local Hawaiians couldn't say um, Espanola, I think it is. And so they called it Paniola. And oh. so that's where it came from. All right. Excellent, man. Well, I know uh, I posted it on Twitter earlier. I've gotten about 20 bottles of alcohol for Christmas this week, but uh, I'm not one to mess up anything that has been a a good thing to do. I am very superstitious. 
I am finishing off my bottle of uh, moonshine that I have now. Um, it's worked for us since the Purdue game, and I'm not going to break that cycle this week. So I am drinking some moonshine, and I'm also drinking the, sh the Shiner S'more Chocolate and Marshmallow Ale, which, by the way, if you get a chance to get this, it's delicious. It sounds like diabetes in a bottle. It's actually not as sweet as you would think. I was really yeah. surprised by it, to be honest with you. So, um, dude, first things first, as I mentioned, we had Joe on last week. Joe filled in. Um, I haven't had a chance to ask you this. I know you've been traveling and everything, but you said you, you have not had a chance to listen to the show yet, right? No, I don't like listening to situations where someone does better than me and I'm going to be Wally pipped up in here. So like, if I just don't acknowledge it, it won't happen. <laughs> well, Hey, that works, right? Turn a blind eye. Everything's good. So, yeah. all right. So, uh, for those of you guys that have, uh, you know, had a chance to listen to it and you don't mind listening to Brandon be Wally pipped, uh, Joe, uh, did a great job last week. Again, it was great having him on. Uh, Brandon, last thing I got for you before we pause and actually start the breakdown of the Rose Bowl. Uh, how was your holiday, man? I know today technically is Christmas that we're recording on. Uh, New Year's Eve will be coming up this week. Uh, obviously the game's on New Year's Day, but how have your holidays been? I know you got to spend some time with the family and everything. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, the traveling kind of got us a little tired over this past weekend and stuff, but we had uh, close friends of ours came over. Um, they're like family that we've known for years. And they always come over on Christmas Eve. So we did that last night. And then today just kind of hung out, did the present thing. Son got a new scooter. So he's been riding that around everywhere. So just good times. How was your Christmas? Oh, it was good, man. I, I've shown you the pictures already, but I got my new uh, Nike free Ohio State shoes. And as I mentioned, I've got a, a pair or two of those already, but this pair is ungodly more comfortable than even mine that I work out in. So, yeah, it was a damn good Christmas. I'm going to take it as a win. So That's good. Uh, all right, man. So on that note, let's go ahead. We'll take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to look at the Washington offense and the matchup against the Ohio State defense. So um, get ready for that. And I know we've actually got a Ask SOS question that was sent in late, but it'll be in this second segment. So uh, we'll get all those addressed, but we'll be right back. This is the Ozone Radio Network, a Hazen Cannon production. For the latest episodes of all your favorite podcasts covering Buckeye Nation, look for the Ozone Radio Network on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Speaker. You can also find the latest episodes by clicking on the Hazen Cannon tab at theozone.net. Once again, here are the Sons of Schmidt. The uh, Washington offense comes into the Rose Bowl this weekend. Uh, and yes, I'm going to just call it the weekend because it's a whole long weekend that most of us are off. So uh, it runs four days. But the Washington defense comes into the game against Ohio State. They're averaging uh, about 230 yards per game passing, another 180 yards on the ground. Um, they're led by 19-year senior quarterback Jake Browning. Uh, Jake has uh, about a 65% completion percentage this year, 2,800, almost 2,900 yards, 16 touchdowns, and uh, 10 interceptions. 
Now, obviously, the Washington offense is the same one that we have seen for the last eight years that he's been in Seattle. Um, they got a few playmakers. They do a very good job of spreading the ball around. Nobody that really blows up the stat sheet in my mind, but uh, what's your initial take on the Washington offense? And uh, let's go ahead and break this down, how they match up with the Buckeyes. Well, I mean, I've always been a fan of Jake Browning since, what, his freshman year when he kind of came on to the scene. And, I mean, he looked like a future number one um, overall pick, and he's kind of regressed quite a bit over these past couple years. So now we fast forward. We're into his senior year, and um, just not the same guy that we saw when he first came on to the scene, whether it's because he doesn't have the wide receivers or the playmakers like he did back then when he, what was it like John Ross and stuff that he was able to kind of get the ball to uh, this year only broke 250 passing yards four times and not one time since week six. So, I mean, it's just, it's not what they're doing. Um, what they do is they rely on their running game. And I think that's what Ohio state really needs to focus on stopping. Uh, Miles Gaskin is a stud. Um, that guy is a damn good back, uh, even, I mean, not just for Pac-12. I mean, he's a good back um, nationally. But missed two games with um, with a um, injury this year. Uh, since he came back in those last four games, he's averaged uh, 131 yards rushing per game. Uh, against Washington State, uh, that for their big uh, rivalry game, what is that, the um, Apple Cup, yeah, uh, They he ran for 170 yards and three uh, touchdowns. Um, with him, he's got Salvin Ahmed right there with him, a sophomore, ran for 600 yards on the season and seven touchdowns. So those two guys are kind of what Washington's been focusing on, getting them going. Um, they know their offense is not a super high-powered type of thing. Uh, so I, I think what Washington really has been trying to do lately, especially against – uh, you know, the teams like Washington State that are very high-powered is that they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to milk the clock as much as they can and uh, just keep on feeding um, Gaskin. If you don't stop them, then they're just going to keep on pounding it down your throats. Um, even their uh, wide receivers, like their uh, big-name guys, um, Aaron Fuller, uh, Ty Jones, I mean, those are, those, th those are two big ones. Um, over the last five games, they really have not been used at all. I mean, both of those guys – combined over the last five games have combined for 17 um, catches so uh, I mean they're just not really used too much and it's just the Miles Gaskin show with Thockman back there um, spelling him a little bit uh, uh, this name I know I'm gonna screw up the Andre Basialia uh, he's actually a smaller guy it's been kind of used a lot more lately than those two uh, big name guys Fuller and Jones um, he's only 5'10 173 pounds but over the past um, three weeks, he's got 17 catches by himself, uh, 13 catches over the uh, past um, two weeks. Not for many yards, but it seems like they just kind of used him in that kind of slot, sort of like the Buckeyes do with C.J. Saunders whenever he plays, where it's those little five to ten yard um, catches that they're going to force it into him, and he's going to make the catch. So um, not much of a pass game, but it's sort of like what we saw with Northwestern with uh, Clayton Thurston or uh, Thorson. Um, you know, where he used to be a real good passing quarterback. And then this year they kind of made it so it wasn't as much of him throwing the ball. So Jake Browning's got the ability to throw for uh, 300 yards, but I think they're going to come out with Gaskin and just kind of force feed him and 
see how the offense is able to do against that Buckeye defense who has struggled against the run at times this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their two leading running backs have uh, over 1,700 yards on the season. And if you put together their three leading receivers, they have less than, 50, or less than that. They're 1,500, 1,600 yards, something like that. So uh, it's definitely in the game plan to utilize the rushing attack. Um, I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Uh, Washington, they also they don't really rely on a single big-name tight end. Uh, their leading tight end as a receiver has less than 300 yards. Uh, that's Drew Sample. But they have a couple different tight ends that they'll use also. Uh, so my question is, as somebody who has watched a lot of Washington football, being in the Pac-12, and I know you watch a lot of that, uh, is this going to be more of a – lineup smash mouth rushing attack or is this one where they're going to try to beat you with speed and misconception i think they're going to spread out ohio state more than you would um expect uh with you know a team that focuses on running the ball so much i think they're going to try to get ohio state to remove as many players from the box as they can they've got a pretty large um offensive line all five of their guys are over 300 pounds their left tackle 6'8", 316, right tackle 6'7", 318. Um, so they got big boys down there. So I think what they're going to try to do is spread you out with those three wide um, and let those offensive linemen try to control that line of scrimmage. And hope and and for them, they, they will be hoping to catch the uh, Ohio State defensive line pro, um, coming into this game, kind of um, half-assing it, you know, with Draymond Jones going to the um, NFL and stuff. So um, so I think that's what they're going to do. I don't know for sure if that's going to work out too well for them. They have struggled giving up uh, big plays. Uh, they give up um, – they are 77th in the nation, uh, giving up six tackles for loss per game. Um and then you got Ohio State on the other side, who's 16th in the nation, getting over seven tackle seven tackles for loss per game. So you've got an Ohio State defense that likes to get into the backfield and make plays, and you've got a Washington offense that gives up a lot of plays in their backfield. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, which defensive line is going to show up? I think we're going to see a hungry team, um, and I think – Coming out, we're definitely going to see Washington try to spread it out and see if that offensive line can handle that uh, defensive line. But I think by the end of this game, I think we're going to see Jake Browning throwing the ball a lot more than he has this year. And that's where Ohio State's going to have to step up. Um, Ty Jones, which I didn't even really mention too much, but he's the one that kind of worries me the most. He really hasn't done too much lately, but he's had some hot streaks during the year. I mean, the guy's 6'4, uh, 209. So Think of a Ben Victor type of guy. Um, caught uh, four touchdowns in his first four games of the season uh, and then only two over his last nine games. So he's a guy that can make big plays. He's a big-time guy. Um, with Ohio State's inability to kind of defend the downfield pass at times or get called for pass interference, I would not be shocked if Jake Browning goes deep to Ty Jones or tries to put him in a one-on-one situation and use his size to either get a pass interference or a big play. Um, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. So 
I'm going to use a little bit of a tactic that we sometimes have used uh, when we make our predictions, but looking just at the Washington offense and the Ohio State defense, how does Ohio State win that matchup, and how does Washington win that matchup in your eyes? I, so I think the biggest thing Ohio State has to do is they have to stop the Washington rush game. Um, I think if they can control that run game by Washington and be the Ohio State rushing defense that we've seen at times where they're making big plays um, in the backfield and at the line of scrimmage, I think the defense of backfield as much as, they, as they've struggled at times this year, I don't think Washington has the playmakers to beat them too much. I mean, they're, they're going to give up plays. They're going to give up um, – it's going to be more of a bend but don't break. But I think if Ohio State can stop Washington's run game, Ohio State's going to be set up for a pretty good day. Um, as far as Washington goes, um, it's almost the complete opposite for them. I, I think no matter what, they're going to run – in that 100 to 150 yards range. I mean, they're going to run the ball so much. I think their big thing is if Jake Browning can make plays in the passing offense, you know how I said that I don't think they've got the uh, playmakers to beat the Buckeye back seven, but if he can find somebody to step up, whether it's Ty Jones or um, Aaron Fuller or uh, one of that trio of, of the uh, tight ends, um, if one of them are able to, to, to step up, um, and Jake Browning throws for 300-plus yards, I mean, I think it could be bad news for the Buckeyes because Washington does have a pretty good defense. And I don't think as much as we all want to see Ohio State go out there and put up 70 in Urban's last game and Dwayne Haskins' last game, I think they're going to struggle a little bit against this Washington defense. So I think if Jake Browning is able to get anything going with the pass game and throws for around 300 yards, it could be a, a long day for that Buckeye defense because Miles Gaskin's going to get his yards. Okay, so with that being said, the last one little thing for you, what is the one matchup that Ohio State fans should watch that'll be the key to the defense winning against Washington's defense uh, offense? Um, I, I'm going to go Tough Borland versus Miles Gaskin. Uh, I've you know, preach on this quite a bit. Ohio State needs to stop that rush offense, and that's going to be what dictates the game. And uh, Tough Borland's looked great at times. He's looked pretty bad at times. Um, we need good Tough Borland here, filling the correct gaps, getting off those second-level blockers, and uh, he needs to be able to stop Miles Gaskin. If Gaskin can keep on hitting the holes that Borland's not in, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, I think uh, the, the key to this, this matchup, this half of the game, is going to be the Ohio State linebacker play for sure. So, um, and I, I won't go just with Tough Borland. I'm going to say overall the entire unit is going to have to possibly play their best game of the season. Um, the defensive line, I see them, as you mentioned, they're going to be motivated, even with Draymond Jones leaving. The defensive line is going to be motivated and be ready to play. Uh, the back four, we know what we have back there. You have some good but not great players, and you have some really, really good players, but they're not matching up with a fantastic receiving core, it's going to all come down to the Ohio State linebackers versus the Washington rushing attack. Yeah. Um, and, and another big part that will play into that, too, that I just wanted to touch on real quick is the Ohio State uh, defensive tackles. 
I think got to play a huge game. I mean, they're facing a freshman and, and a sophomore at the guard spots, uh, the, the two youngest guys on the line. And that's where Draymond Jones, Davion um, Hamilton, Robert Landers, all those guys need to step up this game and make some big plays. Because if they're able to make plays in the backfield, it's going to take some of that pressure off of the much maligned linebacker crew. Yeah. And, and if they, if Ohio State can stop the rushing attack and force Jake Browning to beat them, I'm not completely comfortable with that because Jake Browning does have the, enough talent to potentially do it. But I think the team that surrounds him is not enough. And I think you touched on that already. So uh, that's my key matchup for the Ohio State defense on there. So um, before we pause, is there any other thing on this particular side of the ball that you want to touch on or get on record? The, the only other thing, like you're saying, if Browning is forced into a situation as talented as he is, he has been prone to uh, throwing picks this year, which is not something he's been prone to his previous three years as starter. But, I mean, 10 picks compared to only 16 um, touchdowns. If, if, if he gets forced into that throwing situation, he does make – some mistakes and we do have some DBs back there like Sean Wade and stuff that can make him pay for those. Yep, absolutely. All right, man. So with that in mind, we're going to uh, go ahead and pause here for a minute. We got a holiday themed uh, sponsorship commercial coming at you guys after this. Uh, so we'll get that on the air. And then when we come back. We're going to look at the other side of the ball. Uh, obviously with this being the last game of the season and we've had a long week off or a couple weeks off, we've got a, uh, more in-depth look at the matchup side by side. So we're going to do that. And we come back after that, it'll be the, uh, bowl picks and our son of a Schmidt rant. So, uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll uh, look at the Ohio state offense. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. The Washington defense, um, they come into the game, they're giving up about 185 yards through the air. They're averaging about 116 yards per game on the ground, um, which considering they play in the Pac-12, which is not quite the Big 12, but considering they play in the Pac-12, that's uh, fairly decent enough uh, numbers when you look at them overall. Um, Ohio State on the flip side of this, the Ohio State offense is uh, averaging 367 yards through the air. And the stat that really surprised me is they're averaging 181 yards on the ground per game, which is uh, really when you think about as, as upset as we've been a couple of times at the rushing attack, that number kind of stood out at me for the year. Um, but our ask uh, uh, SOS question that I have for you plays into this, and we'll talk about some of the players here. Um, at Stewart underscore EV, I'm sorry, E4 US vet. Uh, he sent this in. It says, I keep hearing Washington has this amazing defense. Why should we be worried about this defense? 
shouldn't they be fearing our offense? Now, I'm going to chime in here to start with. Um, I would not want to be the defensive coordinator that has to go up against this offense, especially one that is motivated by so many guys that are leaving. With Urban Meyer's last game, these guys are going to be amped and juiced. You have the greatest single season of quarterback play that Ohio State's ever had. You have what is possibly the greatest overall wide receiving season for Ohio State receivers coming in. What is your thought on this? Should we be should the Washington defense be more worried about the Ohio State offense than people seem to be worried about the Washington defense? Well, I mean, if you look at just everything on paper, I mean, you should be scared. I mean, the most points Washington has been given up this year is 30 points, and that was to um, Oregon. Uh, they've only given up 20 points six times this year. Uh, faced Washington State, what, two games ago and only gave up 15 points. Uh, they've only given up more than two touchdowns three times all season, and that was against UCLA, Oregon, and Stanford. Um, against ranked teams, they're only giving up 8.3 points per game, and that's over three games. Uh, so, like, if you're looking at that, I mean, like, you should be kind of terrified, like you're writing it down. Uh, I will say this. So, I'm going to calm your fears. Um, it's all fake. <laughs> we talk about this quite a bit. Um, it's one of those things where, like, it looks pretty awesome. But what you need to realize this year is the Pac-12 is not the Pac-12 that you think of. Even you uh, mentioned it there. Like, we think of this high-scoring – um, offenses and just no um, defense being played it's actually the complete opposite this year it's kind of like crappy defenses and really crappy um, offenses throughout the entire conference I think so many coaches tried to focus most of their stuff on defense and trying to fix the defense because I mean forever people were saying if you can just get one decent Pac-12 team to have a good um, defense they're going to dominate the conference so I think a lot of people look, went that way. Um, so here's what I'll say to kind of show that to you. Total offense. If you're thinking of just total offense nationally and you think Pac-12, you're going to think a lot of teams are ranked pretty high up in the Pac-12. I'll tell you this. This season, conference and out of conference, Washington has only faced two teams in the top 50 of total um, offense all season. Uh, Five of those teams that they faced were ranked 76th or higher. Uh, the other five were ranked in that 51 to 75 range. And then they had two in that 11 to uh, 20 range. They had Washington State, which we already talked about, and then Stanford. Those are the only two teams that they've faced with a top uh, 50 um, offense all season. Which, so, you know, the, the really surprising part of that is – that Oregon is not oh, one of those top two teams, right? Sorry about that. I just screwed up. So total offense, Oregon is one. So okay. it's Washington State and Oregon. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry. Yep. So those two are the, are the only ones in the top 50 for total um, offense. Their average team that they face this year is 68th in total, um, in total um, offense. So they're not facing – they've – they're not facing the Buckeyes week in and a week out. The only team offensively that even compares to the Buckeyes is Washington State. Um, and that's kind of a stretch uh, just because 
one, it's the rivalry game for them. Um, as their coach came out and said, like Mike Leach never changes his um, approach. So the Huskies like to play them and they would love to play them um, every week because their defense knows how to uh, stop them. So they did shoot them down. Um, passing offense too, because uh, the big thing that we really hear about from Washington is how great their passing defense is. Uh, passing offense, it's not much better. Uh, they've only faced uh, two teams inside the top 40 of passing offense. That's Washington State, who's number one. Uh, they held them to, him to 152 yards passing and two picks. Uh, the only other one uh, is Stanford, uh, who threw for 347 yards and two uh, touchdowns against them. Stanford has the number 19th ranked passing offense. Uh, their average passing offense that, that they faced this year was 62nd. So um, I think a lot of it, I mean, like stats wise, like I said, I let off with those stats and it's kind of crazy how dominant Washington's defense appears to be. But then when you look at it, it's just, there are no good offenses that they faced um, this year. Even um, Auburn, who was supposed to be their, like, their big time thing. Auburn's the 71st ranked um, total offense in the nation, 89th ranked in passing offense. Uh, look at some of these other ones, Utah, who they played twice. 66 in total offense, 90th in passing offense. Um, BYU, 78th in total offense, 87th in passing offense. Uh, California, who you would expect to have a big-time offense, a big-time passing offense, they were horrible this year. Uh, 108th in total offense, 101st in passing offense. So, wow. um, I mean, you just go down that whole list. Um, even Oregon's 44th in uh, passing offense. I mean, they aren't too good. Uh, passing wise so um, yeah it's just it's one of those things where the Pac-12 is not what we expect it to be it's not what it has been so when you look at how dominant those stats are it's just it's really not as good as it seems to be when you look at the stats and who they were facing and why they were able to stop these so um, outside of Washington State, like I said, who they did dominate against. I mean, they need to be um, respected. They've got a very good defense. They showed that against Washington State. Um, but they have not faced a team like Ohio State. And uh, even Washington State, stats-wise, they are number one. But, like, I don't think there's anyone that would take the Washington State offense over the Ohio State um, offense or many other. I mean, you would – Probably, I mean, they just throw the ball 40,000 times per game. You know, I mean, that's what Washington State does. Um, but it, J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber, the wide receiver core, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, it's this is a beast that Washington has not faced this year. So as good as they are, I think they're a very respectable defense. Ohio State should be able to put some points up on them. Okay. Well, let, let's look at some of the individual players on the Washington defense. You know, they're led by their their senior linebacker, uh, Ben Burr Criven, I think is how you say his I can't say his damn last name. It's but, an awesome name. I don't yeah, know. right. Um, this guy has 85 solo tackles for the year. He's got 165 tackles overall, four tackles for loss, uh, one sack, two picks, six passes broken up, and four forced fumbles. Uh, you know, that, that's a pretty damn good year out of a linebacker. Um, their second best linebacker, uh, 67 tackles for the year, five tackles for loss and a sack. Um, and then their defensive, their best defensive lineman on the, the stat sheet, at least, is uh, Greg Gaines. Uh, Greg Gaines, who has 
53 tackles overall, six and a half for a loss, and four and a half sacks. Now, looking at just the front seven, as they compare with the Ohio State offense when it comes to running the ball and getting pressure on Dwayne Haskins, um, how does this matchup look in your eyes? Is this going to be a key, or is it really going to come down to the defensive backfield stopping Haskins when he throws the ball? I've got it kind of broken down into a quartet of four of obviously four guys, uh, two in the front seven and two in the back four uh, that I think are going to control how this game goes. Um, front seven wise, I mean, Burr, Kervin, and Gaines are the two guys that I'm really watching for because those are the two guys in the middle that are going to be controlling the run game for the Buckeyes. Is J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber are not able to get going, it's because of these guys. I mean, Gaines is a 316-pound senior uh, defensive tackle, big body guy, um, experience. Like I said, he leads uh, – I mean, he's got five – or a lot of uh, tackles for loss, a lot of sacks, uh, just kind of that linchpin there in, in the middle. And then Burr Kerbin, like you said, I mean, dude's averaging almost 13 tackles per game. Like, that is crazy to me. Yeah, that, that's um, like Laurinaitis kind of a game, right? Yeah, there. I mean, like, those two guys are going to control how good Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins does. Also, how good – with how good those two are, I think it's going to force Ohio State to kind of spread the ball to the outsides more instead of trying to pound the ball down, down the middle. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to at some point. You've got to, you know, go up the middle to kind of loosen up the – um, outside some, but um, I think how Wyatt Davis, you know, making his second start, uh, Michael Jordan and uh, Knox do, or no, Knox the one hurt. It's a uh, man, Pridgeton. Uh, how those three do um, up the middle, um, controlling those two guys is really going to control how how good Ohio State's offense does. I think regardless, Haskins is going to be able to throw. Um, but are they going to be able to score inside the 20 like they had problems with earlier um, in the year? Are they going to be able to consistently put up a lot of points? It's going to be down to if Dobbins and Weber can find room. And Those two guys up front for them, Burkirvin and Gaines, are going to be what dictates that. Okay. All right. Then when you look at the the Washington defensive backfield, now this is – when you read up on them and you hear people talking about them that haven't watched Washington play a bunch, uh, you look, you know, you get people that are stat sheet readers and whatnot. They've got a couple guys that stand out here. Um, obviously, their safety, Taylor Rapp, um, 58 tackles, five for a loss, four sacks, two picks, and four passes broken up. Um, stats wise, he's the better of the two safeties. Their uh, better cornerback on the stat sheet is Brian, uh, Byron Murphy, uh, 56 tackles, four picks, one touchdown on the, that in, one interception, 13 passes broken up in a forced fumble. Um, now, overall, when it comes to their entire defense, they've got 49 passes broken up, 11 picks, 18 forced fumbles, and 21 sacks for the season. But the, the real matchup here, it looks like, and what it sounds like in my mind from what I've seen and read through, is going to be Dwayne Haskins in zone six versus the Washington State pa – I'm sorry, the Washington passing defense. What is your view on that one? Yeah, I mean, the two guys that I had in my uh, quartet that are going to control how this game goes, you just talked about. Uh, Tyler Rapp, uh, their safety, he kind of plays more of a – 
like what Michigan does with like peppers, what they did and stuff. So, I mean, he's the team leader in uh, tackles for loss, the team leader in sacks. Um, like said, a lot of pass uh, breakups and stuff. So Taylor Rapp is everywhere, six foot, 200 pound junior. Um, he's a big guy that's going to control, you know, like I said, how Ohio State's going to be forced probably to run the ball to the outside. Um, they're going to have to watch out for Rapp and see how he controls that. And then also in the back, uh, on the uh, back end there, how he controls the uh, pass game. Also, Byron Murphy, like I said, 13 pass breakup, four picks, uh, team leader in both of those. Um, He's one guy, and he's a very good corner. Uh, both him and Rap are very good back there. Um, even if you take out two of the wide receivers, you've still got Paris Campbell running free. So uh, how is that going to match up? Um, those two guys are going to be huge on how the pass game goes. If they're able to actually play as good as they've been playing all year, like I said, against lower-tier competition uh, passing-wise, uh, they've been dominant. Are they able to keep that up with Ohio State? Uh, with all those, you know, the 37 seniors in zone six playing their final game and Dwayne Haskins playing his final game, they're going to go out there and try to put up some points. So um, I would not be shocked if Washington and Rapp and Murphy make some plays, um, but are they going to be able to consistently make plays and they're going to be under constant barrage the whole game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Okay. So when you look at the, uh, the way it, this matches up, when Ohio State has the football, Obviously, it's going to be the, – the, the key is going to be, as you mentioned, on the ball being ran up the middle and controlling the two guys in the center of the defense and then the way that Haskins can beat those defensive backs, who all four of them are fairly decent defensive backs. Now, they, they don't have a super glaring weak spot like other teams will do. Um, they have four really solid guys. Now – when I look at this, what it's going to come down to is Ohio State doesn't need to get 300 yards running the ball. They need to keep they need to run the ball enough to keep the defense honest, keep them in there. They're going to break a little bit here, you know, five, six, ten yard runs and whatnot. I'm not expecting a whole bunch of 60, 70, 80 yard rushes. Personally, uh, I see Dwayne Haskins owning this game. And I don't mean just, you know, a 300-yard game. I'm talking a big, big showing from Haskins and the wide receivers. Um, Mike Weber will probably get a lot of uh, playing time both uh, in the running game and in the passing game. Obviously, the wide receivers are going to get a lot, being that most of them are done after this year. Uh, just, you know, school-wise, they're done. But in your mind, what is the big – way that Ohio State wins and what is the way that Washington wins who has to win and what's the matchup you have to watch I think for Ohio State um, I'm really going to be watching how aggressive they are this game because like you mentioned with all those guys leaving after this game um, how conservative is the coaching staff and the players going to be to try to limit um, injuries, uh, especially with guys, you know, like Johnny um, Dixon and Mike Weber who have had a career of getting hurt quite a bit. Um, I, I honestly don't think we're going to see a lot of Mike Weber. I don't really? think we're, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Johnny Dixon. Um, I think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Paris Campbell. Um, I think we will see enough of them. Um, but it's sort of like where 
we kind of saw for a little stretch there going into the November games where like Paris Campbell really wasn't used as much, you know, like they would do little one, two, three touches here and there, maybe per half um, and let him try to break some long ones. And he still might, I mean, I'm not saying he, like he still may finish over 100 yards, um, but I don't think we're going to see one of those games where he has 12 catches, you know, and where they're throwing him a lot of screen passes and stuff. Um, I, so I'm curious to see how, how, how that goes. If, if Ohio State's able to keep the pressure moving forward, um, not play scared to limit um, injuries, um, not be worried about Dwayne Haskins being hurt, you know, um, are they going to do a bunch of quick passes? Or are they going to let him actually air it out? Um, Washington doesn't get too many sacks. So, you know, maybe they won't be as worried about, Dwayne Haskins taking hard hits, but uh, for Ohio State to win offensively, I think they need to continue doing what they've been doing all season and not play scared, not try to limit the injuries too much, just kind of play it out um, while still limiting players here and there to kind of give them opportunity to kind of soak in the Rose Bowl and not get um, injured. Uh, for Washington, um, I mean, honestly, if you're looking at the Ohio State offense, and like you said, I mean, they're the Ohio State rush offense is still good. I mean, you got J.K. Debbins and Mike Weber; those are two very good running backs. But the offensive line has struggled at times to create any sort of rushing room. Um, if I'm Washington, I am going to do everything in my power to take away Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball. I'm dropping as many people back in coverage as I can and letting the Ohio State offensive line try to beat the Washington front seven um, with the run game. Uh, that that Because, I mean, the 3-4, we've seen it give Ohio State trouble at times. Um, so I think – if I'm Washington, if you take away that pass game for Dwayne Haskins and the Ohio State offense, I think you give yourself a very good chance to win this game. Okay. Yeah, see, I, in my mind, because it is Urban Meyer's last game, it is Paris Campbell's last game, it's Dwayne Haskins' last game, it's Terry McLaurin's last game, just knowing what we know about Urban Meyer, I see those guys playing more so I see a Mike Weber playing a little bit more because he has given a little more time in there now don't get me wrong JK is still going to get his carries he's still going to be on the field he's still going to make his plays and this is almost bad to say this this way but I kind of want to see those guys play more to start just because if God forbid something does happen they're all leaving anyway, so, eh, you know what I mean? Like, it's a terrible thing to say, and I don't want to see anything happen to these guys. Don't take it that way. But like I said, if, if something happens, if Mike Weber gets dinged up in the first quarter, it's better than J.K. Dobbins getting dinged up. You know, J.K.'s coming back, Mike Weber's not. So, and I know how loyal Urban Meyer is, and I could see this game starting with the Urban Meyer loyalty thing coming into play early. And then as Ohio State starts to 
ex- uh, you know, put its dominance on Washington, then you'll see kind of maybe in the second half, Ryan Day kind of more take over the game, getting prepared for next year. And Ryan Day's guys will start coming in to play a little bit more. Um, that's completely just my thought. I, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I could see that happening is what I'm, I'm getting at, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because, I mean, I think we're in different ends of the spectrum here. Like, I don't see Mike Weber getting more than 10 or 12 carries. Um, I could see him starting, you know, and I could see him getting, like, the the first carries. Um, but, you know, I just – I think of, like, Demetrius Knox getting hurt. You know, like, does that weigh on um, Urban Meyer? You know, like it was at the end of a game that they were blowing out and they were going to put in, you know, like, fuck you points to Michigan. And this senior got injured and was gone for the season. So does that sit in the back of his mind in his final game? I mean, like, imagine if someone like Terry uh, McLaurin, who he is just in love with, that I think he's going to leave Shelly for someday gets um injured you know he, like he's got a few guys to compete with john simon jj yeah, I mean, so i just wonder how much like that's gonna sit in urban meyer's head especially good, with yeah. you know mike weber and johnny dixon battling injuries so much like their whole yeah. um career like getting hurt in this game and then ruining their nfl career i, I think he would struggle with that quite a bit um the guy I do have someone in mind that I think it's going to be a coming out party. And I think DeMario uh, McCall is going to have a huge game. Um, time. I think this is his like coming out party. The HVAC spot is his next year. Um, and I think this is a game going to be used to get him going and kind of pre-hype up his year next year. So – on that note, real quick, I want to ask you this because we asked it the last segment. What is the one matchup that you want to watch or that we should watch for that's going to determine how this side of the ball wins? So on this side of the ball, I am going to say, I don't know, Wyatt Davis versus that front seven is, you know, like we still just haven't seen him um, enough. It's only his second start. We've been hearing all season, even before Knox got hurt, about how Wyatt Davis is ready. He's the next guy. He needs to get more playing time. They started playing him at like tight end to get him in on those, you know, goal line type of uh, situations. Um, but Washington has some beasts up front there. And so I'm going to be curious to see how that freshman does in his second start and if they were able to confuse him um, and how he does. So Wyatt Davis is versus the front seven is the one that I'm watching up there. Okay. Now, my my next question for you is, and a special shout-out to the one and only BVO, do we see Tate Martell play significant time this game at all? Not Doesn't have to be important time. Could be trash time. But does he play more than just a few sparingly plays here? I actually think we will. I mean, just like I was saying – how Urban's going to limit some of those other guys. I think he's going to try to limit hits on Dwayne Haskins. Um, I think we'll see Tate more than we have, if not just, you know, to ultimately 
give him some confidence going into the year that he's a part of this team, especially with all the Josh Fields stuff and people hyping up Matthew Baldwin. Um, I think we'll see Ryan Day try to get Tate Martell involved more than we have and get him some confidence going into next year. Okay. All right, man. Uh, before we pause and get our son of a Schmidt, uh, is there anything else on this game that you need to get recorded so we can put it in the ears of some listeners out there, buddy? Not at all. Good, good. So I can go ahead and delete everything we've recorded already because we don't need that either, right? Yeah, because you, you weren't even recording, were you? I thought this was just practice. Oh, shit. You're right. My bad. <laughs> all right, man. So what we'll do is we'll pause. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get your son of a Schmidt. We'll get mine. And then we'll look at some bowl games. Um, we'll get our final predictions for the Rose Bowl. And then we'll close on out of here. So uh, give us about 33 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite weekly segment. Son of a Schmidt. <laughs> Son of a Schmidt. 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 Last week, we had Joe Dexter on the show, as I've mentioned, and he did his son of a Schmidt on Jim Delaney and the not just the Big Ten commissioner, but just uh, commissioners in general, but specifically Jim Delaney and the fact that they have no cojones. Um, Brandon, you were out the week. You've had a couple weeks to prepare for this. I know as you were sipping Mai Tais on the beach in Hawaii, all you were thinking about was, God, I've got to rant on X. This is your chance. Give us what your X rant is here, buddy. What's your son of a Schmidt? Actually, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh-oh. I know both of us are kind of struggling with son of a Schmidt this week. So I'm throwing the ball back to you. Uh-oh. This is going to be a new kind of son of a Schmidt. <laughs> We're going to expand on a Twitter conversation that you and I had a few days ago. I figured this and, was going to come up. And we're going to put this on record. Okay. That Mike Meals, you know, Lone Star State himself, everything's bigger in Texas except for his PP. Feels Very like <laughs> feels like Texas high school team what they won state championship. 6A. Could, yep. Could, could beat college teams. Yep. And I'm calling bullshit on that one. So yep. I'm going to give you a chance to explain to me, try to convince me how a Texas high school team starting 230 pound offensive lineman is going to beat Hawaii, like you were bringing up, an eight win FBS college football team that has, you know, 320 pound Samoan dudes on their defensive line. So let me know. Tell me about this. Okay. Let me start with this. What happened last year in the NCAA tournament? Are, are we talking basketball? Are you yes. going to use basketball to tell me? I'm, how? I'm just starting. What happened last year in the tournament? I don't know. I don't watch college basketball. I'm assuming some the tournament. small team beat some big team and like people love them for a little bit. And The like, University of Maryland, Baltimore County okay. was the first ever 16 seed to knock off a one. But it started with university, not high school, right? I, I know. just want to make sure I, we're checking I, it. I'm getting there. I'm okay. getting there. All right. I, I'm I, getting I just there. want to make sure. Okay. Back in the 60s and 70s, at the end of the season, 
there was a team comprised of college kids that would play the NFL champions. Did the NFL champions win every game? So you're bringing up some like 1930s to 1970s. Hold on. Just no, they did not. They did not win every game, did they? No. The college kids won, right? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Nine times, if I remember correctly. It's, it's something like that. It's not a whole lot. And, and I'm going to be the first to tell you, it is not a whole lot. Okay. Now, did the Cleveland Browns win seven games this year? You're asking me questions about sports that I don't watch. Sure. Did they? Did the Cincinnati Bengals win one game this year? I know they won at least one game. Okay, so what you're telling me is at any given time, on a field of competition, any team can lose. Is that what you're saying? Um, not in a high school versus uh, I FBS. We're not to that part yet. I'm just I'm setting the okay. stage. You got to right. let me uh, begin my diatribe if we're going to go through this trial here, okay, uh, right. counselor. So, I mean, so in you some have, situations, yes. So, so that does happen. In fact, it's almost like there's an entire movie out there called Any Given Sunday, which plays off the cliche that at any time, any team can win on a Sunday. And I know it's fictional, it's, it's you know, NFL, but it can happen, right? Sure. Did Except you, for they don't play on Sunday, so. Did, did you watch the 6A Texas high school football state championship game? Yeah, I saw they needed a last-second Hail Mary to beat another high school team. Another undefeated high school team, right? A high, high school team, as long as you say high yeah, school. They, it's high school team. So you're telling me that a team comprised of kids that are going to go to the Texases, the Texases A&Ms, the LSUs, the Ohio States, could not – beat a Louisiana Tech, a Louisiana Monroe, a Sunbelt Texas State team. Are you no. really telling me that? Yes. Because a team of 15 and 16-year-olds are not going to be a Louisiana a, Tech team full of 22-year-olds. How many times have you had a freshman go to the, the FBS and dominate? That's one player. I, I, I'm just getting to the point. Okay, yeah, that so happened. Does, did Jonathan Taylor dominate when he was a freshman at Wisconsin? Because he had a five-senior offensive lineman, but yes, he did. Did Maurice Claret dominate at Ohio State as a freshman? Yes. So you're telling me that these kids are talented? Those are guys there, are, yeah. Are there any freshman quarterbacks who have ever came in and made a magnificent run as a freshman quarterback? Yes, but not by themselves. So you're telling me that it is possible the talent is there? It's possible. I did not say that North Shore would win every time. They won't win any time, so. They will. If you let them play 10 or 100 games, they are going to win at some point. And if you watch that game and objectively watch it. Now, look, I don't like North Shore. The high school team in Texas that I follow, North Shore beat them twice this year. I don't like North Shore. But if you watch that game and you tell me that North Shore is not a talented team that is better than some of these teams in FBS that are terrible, 
you're crazy. I got one question for you. Actually, we, we, we will do a few. I will play your game where I ask a bunch of stupid questions to lead up to a big one. How many starters are there for North Shore? Offensive and defensive. Well, the, it's 22 positions. Okay, so 22 starters. Um, how many starters are there for, let's say, Hawaii? Uh, 19. <laughs> 22. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Good job. Um, how many of those 22 starters for North Shore are Division I scholarship athletes? Right now? Right now. I don't know how many seniors they got that are going to FBS. but Because I can th- tell you how many um, Hawaii has, just right off the top of my head. They've got 22. <laughs> and, and how many of them are good scholarship players? Uh, they are scholarship players. I mean, like that, they're... That, that's besides the point. How many of them are good scholarship players? They won eight games in FBS. They went to a bowl game. And what, what conference do they play in? Mountain West. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, that's the same as like Boise and stuff. So if like we, if we pretend Boise is good every now and then, we have to <laughs> pretend like their conference is good. Okay, so what, are you going to your next question, counselor? No, I mean, I, I know Hawaii's got 22 Division One scholarship athletes. North Shore, you said none. Was that correct? I just – I mean, like <laughs> – I'm not saying they aren't going to be good someday, but right now you line up an offensive line that has 230 pound offensive linemen. Who cares how good their, their running back is against a defensive line that has 300 pound dudes, um, linebackers that are 250 pounds, pissed off Samoans. They are going to dominate. I feel like this just took a racist turn. (laughs) No, it didn't. I mean, like they, they play great and they are kind of under um, utilized because college fo- or high school football is not big in the state of um, Hawaii. It's That's not true. big in Guam. It's not big in the areas that they do, but they get freak athletes that come in and learn how to play football. So um, I'm just saying like you're, you've got men versus kids and no matter how talented those kids are, they are not going to beat those men. It's like if you look at, let's go like Little League World Series, you know, and you get like state champion from New York, bunch of nine-year-olds. Are they going to beat a high school team that's been playing? That That's not the same comparison, though. But we can a compare 1930s football of, against college football. A bunch of nine-year-olds. That's the way it is now. Nine against um, 18-year-olds. Nine-year difference, you know, like – it's not that big of a difference at all compared to what you're trying to leap to also. Does Hawaii play any freshmen? Uh, on their starters? Uh, let's see. They've got – I'm looking at their roster right now. They've got two offensive linemen that are starters. That are freshmen. One run from Arizona, freshman, 280 pounds, and one from California, 310 pounds. And, so but you're, uh, you keep uh, on picking like a little one, one thing on, here. That's because okay. I'm getting to the point here. How, how many offensive linemen did Ohio state sign in their class last year that were over 300 pounds? I don't know. I don't follow recruiting. 
five? I don't know either. I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> so what you're telling me though is there are kids in high school that are the same size and can go and start at Hawaii as freshmen. Yeah, but does North so, Shore have a team full of those? Does Hawaii have a team full of kids that could go start elsewhere? Yeah. No. Yeah, they could. They're all scholarship athletes from the around. Kids the kids at Hawaii cannot go to Ohio State and start. Well, not Ohio State. Kids from North Shore couldn't go to to Ohio State. So, like, I mean, like, it's just I don't get where you're going with this because you keep on picking like one things. Like Maurice Claret was a freshman, so he came up. Like North Shore doesn't have 22 Maurice Clarets. They don't have. 22 they don't need them. They don't, don't even have. You don't one. need 22 Maurice Clarets. You need 22 scholarship athletes, and they no. do not have that. As I said before, I'm not saying they would win every time. I never said they would win every time. You said they were more talented. They are more talented. Watch the game and tell me. High school competition. Watch the game and tell me who's more talented. So I'm supposed to watch Wapak fucking high run for 450 yards. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they are so good. They're going to beat up on a FBS team and they could run for 450 yards. No, it's against high school competition. By the way, Wapak would get crushed by North Shore. Wapak gets crushed by anyone because it's. Wapak went like nine rounds deep into the uh, playoffs this year in Ohio. Yeah, Division Three Ohio. Who cares? (laughs) Exactly. That's why we're starting to play college football on Fridays because high school football is so stupid. (laughs) As I said, they will not win every game. But to sit here and tell me that they can't beat a low-level FBS team is crazy. They couldn't. Could Alabama beat a low-level NFL team? I, I I know you've said in the past that, that they couldn't, and people that say that is dumb. So I'm just curious if, like, you've put down your Texas-colored barbecue enough to – Could Alabama in how many games beat an NFL team once? Is that what you're saying? Consistently. I mean, yeah. I never – no, sure, no, no. Just, I, no one said sure. consistently. Sure. Let's go. Once. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're on record of saying that Alabama is better than some NFL teams. Well, that's the eye test. And anybody that says that, no, they're, they're crazy. But to answer your question, could Alabama beat an NFL team? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, would, would, would they be a 1-15, in 1-1, what was Cleveland before this year, 1-15? Thirty-two or one in thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But so you're say- saying, like, in the past couple of years, Alabama was equal to the Cleveland Browns. Dude, the yeah. Browns were fucking terrible. But Cleveland Browns would still whoop up on Alabama. If you take the Cleveland Browns team of the last two years with Hugh Jackson as the head coach, and give me the Alabama team with Nick Saban. I will take Alabama to win one of those games. Not they play over and over and over again. Absolutely. Ah, uh, well, let's agree to disagree. All right, and we'll just call that the son of a Schmidt for son both of, a Schmidt. of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, it could happen. By the way, in all seriousness, if you want to see a really damn good high school championship game, go watch that game. It was very, very good. 
and for the record, there were 30 or more Division One athletes on the field at any given time in that championship game. Between the two teams? Between the two teams. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm Whenever serious, Hawaii yeah. takes the field, it's a roughly 160 Division One athletes taking the field. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. They don't have 160 people on the field at one time. You, you were using two teams. Can I use two teams? I was using two teams on the field at one time. Okay. Which there's only 44 positions possible. But so, there's still scholarship athletes behind them. Well, see, that's and not true either. Like because if, if C.J. Saunders can play as a walk-on, then they're not all always scholarship players. Whatever. You lost. <laughs> all right, man. We'll pause for station identification. We come <laughs> back. We'll get Schmidt picks. You are listening to the Sons of Schmidt podcast on the Ozone Radio Network, presented by Hayes and Cannon. The ORN is the online radio home of the Buckeye Sloopcast, the Silver Bullets podcast, the Buckeye Weekly podcast, and of course, the Sons of Schmidt. For more information, go to www.theozone.net. And now, back to the show. Well, that certainly was the most entertaining, debating, back-and-forth son of a Schmidt we've ever had, Brandon. So what we're going to go ahead and do here, we're going to move forward and look at our Schmidt picks for the bowl season. Um, And, you know, if I was worth half my weight in gold, I would uh, have taken the time to go look at our ESPN pick them just to see where everybody's at because – I'm in last place. I'm looking at it right now. I'm in last place. Are you really? Yeah. (laughs) I was, I looked at it before the last couple of games and then I haven't looked while we're in this kind of a lull until games pick up in a couple of days. So uh, I will say that I lost seven of the eight games that I picked real quick while I was on vacation. So (laughs) I'm going to blame it on vacation. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. So, all right, man. Well, then let's get rolling on this, all right? We've got first game, December 28th, the Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is one that we talked about briefly when we were looking at the bowl games earlier this season that I had uh, pegged to watch. Uh, 7-5 and five, Auburn versus 6-6 six and six, Purdue. Oh, man, this is a tough one because – like you don't know what you're getting. Suck. Well, and you don't know what you're getting with Purdue. Um, you don't know what you're getting with Auburn. Um, I, I think you have to show that you have a history of Auburn not showing up in bowl games. You've got Purdue, who has shown that they have the ability to do stuff. I think this is kind of like Rondale Moore's chance to kind of go onto a national stage in Tennessee and kind of whoop up on on some people so i'm gonna go with purdue i'm probably gonna be wrong like everything else but i'm gonna try purdue well i've got some terrible news for you then okay okay uh we're both going to be wrong because i'm taking purdue to upset auburn in this game yeah i just i mean like a top 10 team that was national championship contender coming into the year like playing a music city bowl sitting at seven five like i'm just yeah i'm thinking the motivation's not going to be there they checked out last year against UCF in the Peach Bowl, and this is a much lesser bowl, so I see yeah. them checking out again. So, And Jeff Brom sticking around is just, you know, extra fuel to the fire for that team to come out. Yep. 
Uh, next game, same day in Orlando, the Camping World Bowl. Um, I know this wasn't the Citrus. I, I think this was the one that used to be, what, the Tangerine Bowl maybe? Something like that, yeah. Uh, I can't remember now, but it's the ones that are played there in that same stadium. We've got West Virginia versus Syracuse. Um, nice. No, go ahead. I'm actually going to go with Syracuse on this one just because Will Greyer's Will Greyer's not playing. Yep. And I, I think agree. their top wide receiver is sitting out for West Virginia too because apparently like if you're anywhere in the top seven rounds, you decide to sit out nowadays. So I'm looking at you, Karan Higdon. <laughs> but I'm going to go that Syracuse. undrafted. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm going Syracuse in this game too. I mean, West Virginia, as good as they potentially could have been when you take out your starting quarterback, you're in trouble. So Yeah, and if Will Greyer was playing, like, without a doubt, I would pick West Virginia on this. I don't, think I don't know. It would be a whole different story for me. I don't know if yeah. Syracuse would win, but it would be a different story. It would be tougher to pick. Uh, last game on the 28th is the Alamo Bowl, just up I-10 from me here, is uh, Iowa State versus Washington State. What do you got in this game? Um, I think uh, I think Washington State is going to score a lot of points, and I don't think Washington. Oh, wow. or, uh, I don't think Iowa State's that that good. Um, also, you've got a certain coach back in the state of Texas where I think he's going to prove a point. Yep, and that pirate is going to destroy the Big Twelve opponent. So I'm yeah. going Washington State here also. Uh, moving on to December 29th in Charlotte, North Carolina, is the Belk Bowl, um, which will lead to a whole lot of what in the hell is a Belk tweets on Twitter on that day. But anyways, we've got South Carolina taking on West Virginia. Both teams come into this game ranks, uh, I'm sorry, with a 7-5 and five record. Uh, what do you see in this one? I think South Carolina is going to Belk the crap out of Virginia, and South Carolina is going to win. Did I, I use have, Belk right? I don't even know. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it actually is. It's it's an adjective. Um, I don't think that South Carolina is very good. Um, I know Virginia is not very good. So I think South Carolina wins this game. But just for the hell of it, I'll go with Virginia. I don't care. Um, next game on the 29th is the Arizona Bowl, which surprisingly is not played in Arizona. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's in Tucson. <laughs> I had to mess with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Games in Tucson. Uh, this is at the uh, uh, University uh, of Arizona. There you go. Yeah, the Arizona Stadium. Uh, Nevada versus Arkansas State, and another one of these matchups is Joe Dexter and I talked about last week that everybody is dying to line up and see. What do you see in this match of uh, teams that would probably lose to North Shore also? Well, I know that Arkansas State has a top 15 defense in the yep. nation. North Shore, I know, doesn't. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Arkansas State just because their defense is yep. shown to be halfway capable. And I'm going to give this hat tip completely to you because I knew Arkansas State supposedly had a good defense. I didn't realize how good it was until we did our breakdown over the uh, the law here when we were talking about the Heisman and stuff. So yeah. I'm going yeah. with Arkansas State. I here. use them as part of my proof. Yep. Uh, moving on to New Year's Eve, we've got the Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland. 
which is the University of Cincinnati fighting Fickles at 10-2, and two, taking on the 6-6 six and six Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, what do you see in this game? Uh, Vatek's pretty bad this year, and Cincinnati's been playing pretty good. I think they're supposed to be like UCF's only good win or something. So I think Fickle's going to go into this one and win. I think Fickle does the same thing, and then it'll be the last game that Marcus Freeman is his defensive coordinator. So hopefully. Uh, they're going to ride out with a win for Freeman here, and uh, Cincinnati takes this one. Uh, in the Red Box Bowl on December 31st, Red Box is that one where you rent DVDs, right? Is that what Red Box yeah. is? Okay. Yeah. The Santa yeah. Clara, yeah. California base. It's not a redhead porn star. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Clara, That this is probably at Levi Stadium then, right? Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Michigan State at seven and five versus Oregon at eight and four. Does the Big Ten prevail, or do the Ducks get themselves another win? I don't think so. I think the Ducks are going to win. I mean, Dan yep. D'Antonio, he's going to have the team ready. I just don't think Michigan State's offense can score enough to keep up with Oregon's offense, who I don't think is going to score a lot of points against Michigan State. But I could see Oregon winning like 17 to 13 type of thing. Like they're going to score more than Michigan State. Oregon has a, an offense that is just sneaky good enough to still move the ball on a very good Michigan State defense. I, I'm going with Oregon here also. Um, in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, you have 8-4 and four Missouri versus 6-6 six and six Oklahoma State. What do you see in this one? No, I'm just biased as crap against Missouri, and I hate that they're ranked, and they're just a god-awful team, and they always are, but somehow they get ranked because they're a conference. Uh, Oklahoma State's going to win this one, even, even with Justin Hill, Justice Hill sitting out. Um, you keep stealing my thunder, so I'm going to go with Missouri just so we have a change. <laughs> um, I, I was going to kind of say the same thing, but you go first, and I don't like this anymore. <laughs> um. Three more games on December 31st. You got the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. We talked about this one a little bit before. Uh, Northwestern versus Utah, 8-5 and five for Northwestern, 9-4 and four for Utah. Um, what do you see in this game? Yeah, the losers of the Ohio State, Washington, Rose Bowl play-in get to play each other in the Holiday Bowl. So um, I think Northwestern's a better team than Utah. I've, yep. I've seen Utah play quite a bit this year, and – I just – I'm not sure – I mean, like, they've got a halfway decent defense. Their offense is absolutely atrocious, um, like I was talking about earlier. I mean, they've got the 90th-ranked pass offense, 66th-ranked total offense. I think Northwestern is going to win this one. Yep, I'm going with the Wildcats myself. Uh, in the Tax Slayer Bowl, this is the old Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. You have 8-4 and four Texas A&M versus 9-3 and three NC State. Uh, what do you see in this matchup? I don't think Tamu's that good this year, um, but they're ranked high, just like everyone else in, in that conference. But I think Texas A&M is going to beat NC State, and they'll probably beat them pretty good because I don't think NC State's that good, and the ACC is kind of down. NC State, they should be an SEC team in, in all reality because they're terrible, but they're ranked because they have a good record because they didn't play anybody. So – uh, I'm going to go with ATM in this game, uh, mainly because if I don't, when I walk around this town, people will probably shoot me or something. So, uh, last game on New Year's Eve, you have the Sun Bowl in El Paso. 
Seven and six Pittsburgh takes on eight and four Stanford. What do you see in this matchup? Uh, Pittsburgh's another team that's been hanging around the top 25 all year for some reason. I don't even know why. I mean, it's just, it seems like it was purely to make like Notre Dame have a big time game and Clemson to have a top ranked team. But I mean, they're seven and six. They're not a good team. I've watched them quite a few times. Um, Stanford's not what we're used to seeing, but I think Stanford's going to throw for, you know, damn near 400 yards on Pittsburgh's defense. Yep. Stanford's going to win this one. Um, Starting off on the new year, January 1st, in the Outback Bowl, you have 8-4 and four Iowa versus 8-4 and four Mississippi State. And just so you can't do it first, I'm taking Iowa in this game. So That's fine because, like, as much as I don't want them to win, I'm going to go with Mississippi State on this one. I just don't think Iowa offensively will be able to do too much against that Mississippi State defense. And I don't think Mississippi State's offense will be able to do too much against Iowa's defense, but I think they'll be able to do more than Iowa does. So I have zero faith in Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, I can't stand them. I mean, they're another team, like I said, like they – are yep. constantly ranked like top 15, and they're just constantly garbage. In the uh, the last game before we get into the uh, quote-unquote New Year's Day bowl games and whatnot, January 1st in the Citrus Bowl back in Orlando, 9-3 and three Kentucky versus 9-3 and three Penn State. What do you see here, buddy? Speaking of garbage-ass teams, and this time I'm not even talking about Penn State, um, Kentucky's a joke, and they're another team that's just been ranked high all season with no good wins on their schedule, but they just won all their games. I'm telling you, it's that system that the SEC does. They've got it down. They play really crappy out-of-conference teams. They get as many people as they can to 3-0, and um, and they're all ranked in the top 25, and they just ride it out. So Kentucky benefited from that this year. I think Penn State whoops that ass. Yeah, Penn State's going to win easily. Uh, Kentucky has – one good linebacker, and that's it. So, uh, moving into the New Year's Day bowl games, it's actually kind of funny because the college football playoffs are before the New Year's Day bowl games. So, I'm going to go in order here. Well, be, most of them, I should say. The first one is the Peach Bowl on December 29th. This is Michigan versus Florida. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this, is one of the games I think you mentioned that you kind of wanted to see. Um, we've seen Michigan. They're not who we thought they were, but Michigan is still a very good team. Florida, I kind of know what your thoughts on them are, but what do you see in this game? Well, I mean, Florida is a team that I've actually been higher than most on all year. I thought going into this year, Florida was going to have a good team. They were one of those teams last year where they lost like six or seven games, but like they all were like by within a, a touchdown type of thing and getting all those suspended players back out of Florida's going to be good. I think. If you look at Michigan versus Florida this year, Michigan has a way better team. I'm worried about all these players from Michigan sitting out and are more going to be coming to that are going to be sitting out. Um, I'm still going to pick Michigan. I think Michigan is a legit top six, five type team in the nation. And uh, I, I think Michigan should win, but I'm worried about their players sitting out. I would not be surprised if Florida wins, but Michigan should win this game, so I'm going Michigan also. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the two playoff games that are also on December 29th, you have the Orange Bowl, which is the Alabama-Oklahoma matchup, and you have the Cotton Bowl, which is the Clemson-Notre Dame matchup. Now, we've kind of talked about these a little bit in the past. 
Uh, I know we're both more looking forward to the Alabama-Oklahoma game, but there's been some things come up with some players that are in some hot water with the NCAA with uh, drug testing and stuff like that. So starting with the Clemson-Notre Dame game, the Cotton Bowl, what do you see in this one? Even if Dexter Lawrence doesn't play, which he probably won't with that failed drug test, I think think that defensive line for Clemson is going to dominate Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's a very good team at all. And if we legit wanted the top four teams in, Notre Dame should not be in there regardless of their 12-0. I I don't know how we can say – non-power five Notre Dame at 12 and 0 is good but non-power five 12 and 0 UCF isn't because they're not part of a power five so um, Notre Dame is going to get that ass kick yep uh the last one on that day is the Alabama Oklahoma game um I know at least me personally I would love to see Oklahoma win this game but does Oklahoma have a shot I I think Alabama is going to be able to score at will on Oklahoma and I don't think as good as Oklahoma state or Oklahoma's offense is I don't think they're going to be able to score at will against Alabama's defense um so I I think this will be the most fun game out of those two just because I think it's going to be a high scoring game um but I could easily see Bama putting up 50 plus points and Oklahoma is going to be more in that, you know, 28 to 35 range type of thing. And those might be with garbage points. So I'm going to go Alabama in this one. Yep. I'm going to take Bama here too. All right. Moving into the last three games on our docket. You've got January 1st, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, which faces a Texas nine and four squad and a Georgia at 11 and two squad. Um, I know both of us have seen a lot more of Texas this year. We've seen some Georgia. I don't think Texas really stands a shot here or stands a chance here, but what is your thought? Does Texas win or does Georgia do what they should do? There is not a bowl game that I was more disappointed by by this one. I get it. Like the conference is the way it worked out. But, I mean, like I would have loved to see Georgia face Michigan or something, you know, like have Georgia play a legit top team they struggled against all year, but people still think they're good. Um, now they get a free pass. And like you said, like I've watched a lot of Texas this year, more than I ever have. Um, and they just are not a good team. They can't, they, they can't stop the pass to save that their life. Um, offensively, they're going to get demolished by Georgia. And we're going to see Georgia whoop up on Texas and the Sugar Bowl. And we're going to hear about how dominant the SEC is because, you know, Georgia was able to beat a five-loss Texas team after this game. Yep. Uh, I'm going with Georgia in this one. Uh, In the Fiesta Bowl, you've got the aforementioned UCF versus uh, LSU at 9-3. and What do you see in this game? Does UCF win, or does LSU do what Auburn was unable to last year? I think you'll see – because Auburn got beat last year, you'll see a more focused LSU team this year. And I think LSU, I honestly, I would not be shocked if LSU won by three touchdowns. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And with, uh, and if they had a decent wide receiver, like I would push it more like four or five touchdowns. Yep. With, with, with UCF's quarterback being dinged up uh, and this LSU talented team, I, I see LSU, manhandling uh the knights so 
Uh, the last game, the one that matters, the only one anybody cares about, been talking about it a little bit for a month now, January 1st in Pasadena, California, the Rose Bowl with a 5 p.m. Eastern kick, 12-1 Ohio State, 10-3 Washington, the granddaddy of them all. What's your pick? What's your score prediction? I struggle with this one because I know what Washington is. They've been consistent with what they are this year. Ohio State has not been as consistent. So, like, are we going to get really good Ohio State that is, you know, top two or three team in the nation? Or are we going to get, okay, Ohio State that's more like 10 to 15? Um, I am convinced with all the players leaving, with Urban Meyer stepping down um, and everything that's surrounding this game, I think we'll see a focused Ohio State team. And I am going to go with – God, I feel like this is too big of a score, but I'm going to go with 42-17 to 17 Ohio State. 42-17 to 17 Ohio State. Well, we've talked about it enough. We've been looking at it. On paper, Ohio State is clearly the better squad. On paper, Washington should not be in this game. And then you add in the fact that you have a, as you mentioned, a very consistent Washington team that doesn't like to give up uh, points. They like to control the clock. They want to do what they want to do. On the flip side, you have a extremely talented, extremely pissed off Ohio State team that will be riding the emotion of not only all the players leaving, but Urban Meyer stepping down his last game as the Ohio State head coach. If your 42-17 to 17 score is too big, then I'm in trouble because I'm taking Ohio State to win this game 48-20. to 20. All right. So, there we got it, man. Um, before we go, is there anything else that you want to get out here on tape as we get ready for the new year and uh, move forward and go from there, or are you ready to wrap this one up? No, I can't wait to see this game and a bunch of big games coming up. So looking it's, forward to it. As a college football fan, as much as we hate to see some of these matchups and we hate to see the season end, there's going to be some games that are worth watching. It's going to be a fun week. I know a lot of people like myself are going to be uh, spending a good portion of the week watching television because, you know, it's the best week of the year. Yeah. So, I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm saddened by it being the end of the season. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this game a lot more now than I was before, as we talked about last week with Joe. So, uh, Well, and look at the bright side. Like, after next week, we'll do, like, a follow-up show. We get to take a few weeks off. So, <laughs> Well, it'll be a few weeks off, but that's only because Ben will be here. Uh, that's good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, on that note, let's send this one out to post-production. We'll get out of here. Um, looking forward to it uh, on, on New Year's Day. Looking forward to the Rose Bowl. One more time, uh, Brandon, to you, your family, to everybody listening, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everything of those notes. Um, let's get out of here, man. So go Bucks. O-H. I-O. Make sure you're getting the latest news and episodes.
Podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sons of Schmidt. You can follow us on Twitter at Sons of Schmidt. Or email the show, sonsofschmidt at gmail.com. And look for us on Hayes and Cannon at theozone.net. Thank you.